Hi, welcome to the Get to Yes podcast. Neil Osborne from The Sales Catalyst is our host. He teaches, coaches, consults and speaks on business subjects that help hair, beauty and aesthetic businesses become commercially clever and highly profitable. Throughout this series, Neil talks with a variety of industry experts who share business tips to help you navigate your journey. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to yet another podcast episode of Get to Yes. Now, for a lot of you might be thinking about what does Get to Yes really mean? Well, in the broader sense for me, and the reason why I do these podcasts is that Get to Yes is a moment of celebration. Whether that be that you've had a great month in turnover and it's a yes, or whether that be that you've had a great team member join join the team and that is a yes, or in today's conversation, maybe it's that you've started to realize that you're now focusing on profits and they're starting to accumulate. And for me, that's a yes. So welcome to Get to Yes. I have a very special guest today and uh, we were just chatting a moment ago as to, well, how long we've known each other and it's about 26, 27 years and uh, a very, very special guest and I feel incredibly honoured to welcome Dennis to the microphone today. So please welcome Dennis Langford, Managing Director, Tony and Guy, Australia. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolute delight. And uh, as I said, our time goes back, well, but goes back yeah, quite a way, Yeah, 27 years, it? a long time now. Yeah, Wow. Time. Well, and Dennis was joking that he still has the same haircut. So for those of you who know Dennis, uh, you'd understand that joke right up front. So so Dennis, it's been such an incredibly long journey for you and, a, and a, an incredibly rewarding one with Tony and Guy. Look, it has. It has. And this year we celebrate 25 years of, of Tony and Guy business in Australia. And uh, way back then, when I brought the brand to Australia, I was working in the UK for 13 years with, mm. with Tony and Anthony over there. Mm-hmm. We brought the brand here in 1995 and set up with our first salon in Oxford Street in Darlinghurst. Yes. And uh, that's, that's where we started the whole, the whole process mm. and have grown now. We've got 20-odd stores around the country, uh, mainly in Sydney, but mm-hmm. scattered throughout Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the system works extremely well for us. There's, there's a lot of aspects to it, and certainly having multiple salons is quite different to having a salon. But I tend to look at both sides of it. From my role as managing director of Tony Guy in Australia, I have to look at it as a, a group thing and also have to understand the, an individual salon and just what one salon, how, how that one salon works and the systems mm. and, and processes that need to go in place just to make one work. Yes. And then multiply that out. Actually, I was listening to a really great conversation the other day with Anthony Whitaker, and he said, the moment you go from one salon to two, it's the only time in your business life where you will double your business. And I thought that was a really profound thought, because that's exactly what happens when you step into opening up multiple stores. Once you get to three, well, you're not really opening up 50% again, you're at 30% and so on. So those early days, Dennis, I'd love to maybe just jump in and have a chat about that for our listeners, if you wouldn't mind, because stepping out and... Well, I remember when you were in London, you were teaching over there and, and we were all you know, in awe of the strength of the name Tony and Guy around the world. And I remember when you opened up Oxford Street here and what were some of the journeys and some of the experiences, uh, maybe even from a financial perspective that you could talk about today that may help some of our listeners think about you know, some of the things that they need to ponder when they're opening up or in their early days of opening up a business? Well, let me put that in perspective. If anyone knows anything much about me, you'll know that I failed everything at school except English at 50%. <laughs> and numbers and mathematics and that sort of stuff is just not my 
bag at all. Never has been and never will be. But I do understand the the benefits of it and the need to know those sorts of things. How I've got through that whole process, and in hindsight I may have changed this a little bit, but how I got through that process 25 years ago and still do today is surround myself with people that are very knowledgeable in those sorts of subjects, let's say. Somebody once said to me, a wise person doesn't know everything, a wise person knows where to find everything. And you find that through other people. So if I have a good team of people around me, I can get those answers that I need. I may not know the detail, but I'll know where I want to head to with that Mm. stuff. Now, in hindsight, looking back on that, I should have studied more. I should have read a lot more. I'm not a good reader. I think I've read three books in my entire life. So... My knowledge on those sorts of things, it really doesn't interest me. Mm. So that's Mm. why I tend to find other people to help us out with that. Mm. But in hindsight, I would have gone back and learnt more about business acumen, business knowledge, attend business colleges or courses, those Mm. sorts of things, Mm. and really come to grips with the the finance side of a business. And whether it's hairdressing or any other business makes no difference. We supply a product, we supply a service to people there. But the finance side of it, of any business, is pretty much the same. We really want to try and find that way to understand that stuff even more. So if I went back, I would have been spending more time studying that stuff first mm. so I could look at a P&L and work out what it all meant yes. as opposed to get scared by it and not want to deal with it. Exactly. And isn't that amazing? Because when we talk today about a P&L, I mean, where everyone's you know, at our level very comfortable having that conversation. But I remember the very first time I started out when I was importing TG all those years ago when I first met you. And, you know, P&L was, was a, quite a daunting word because it had all this information in it that I didn't really understand. Mm. And, and the big mistake I made, I thought turnover was income. (laughs) We laugh about that now, but, you know, I'm sure there's many of people that are listening to go, OMG, because there is just so much that has to come out of that income. That's right. That's right. And where we get to see it, we used to talk a lot to our staff at the very beginning about the turnover that the business would create. Mm -hmm. Now, we might do $25,000, $30,000 of turnover in a week, Mm -hmm. and we would share that with the staff because... That was uh, good, good business, and we were improving. Mm-hmm. And all the staff pretty well thought that that was the money to spend. Yep. And I'm keeping all of it and giving them there a little bit of it there. So we changed that model because, mm-hmm. because generally speaking, the staff do, do not understand that. They mm-hmm. think that the turnover there is your income and that's what you're going to take home. Isn't that amazing? They see the money going into the till and they just think that's all your money. That's right. And it, and it obviously isn't. They forget that it takes a lot of costs to make something work. Yeah, and in particular, and managing those costs too, uh, the disciplines of not spending too much and the disciplines of knowing what your budget is and, well, what what it isn't. Uh, yes. Because that's hard. I grew up with my mum. She's a hairdresser. And I remember, you know, many conversations over the dinner table about numbers. And, you know, while I was young, I, I do remember mum's anxiousness about the numbers. I see it a lot, even with some of our salon owners now, mm. that if it's something they get scared about, creates mm. anxiety mm-hmm. and stress, mm. instead of learning how to deal with it, they'll hide from it oh. to the point of avoiding mm. communication or phone calls. Right. Because they know that when we go and have a chat and have a director's meeting about that particular salon, mm. that these things will come up. So when we set up a meeting to have with, with some of our guys, then they'll also talk a lot 
so we can't get a word in edgeways. That's yep. their next line of defence. Yes. But unfortunately, it's all born from not really understanding that finance or that business side of things first. Yes. So we tread very lightly about that. Yeah. And we certainly make sure now with our new and up-and-coming salon owners that are new, and let's face it, every single salon owner was not probably, probably in business beforehand before they started their very own salon. I was the same, and every one of our salon owners are exactly the same. Yeah, We don't know business. That's it. You learn it by default, putting yeah. the money up mm. and having the, the confidence to back yourself to have a salon. Mm. But the business acumen of understanding financials, we don't have. Some do, and, and that works great. I'm suggesting that we all need to get that understanding a lot more. And if we yeah. don't have it now, go and learn it. Uh, thank you. It's a really good point because that is pain and that is stress. One of the biggest things I come across as being a coach in the industry and especially having a very strong leaning in the finance world as I do these days, I see lots of people literally telling me that they lose sleep over. And if it's anything, it's only ever two things, staff and money. That'll be, that'll be it, yep. yeah, staff and money. Staff and money. is What am I going to do if Jenny leaves? Um, or what should I do the way Jenny behaved? Um, I don't personally coach in that space. I'm a performance coach, so I tend to stick with increasing turnover or increasing profit. They're, they're, my, they're my areas of focus because I believe our industry, for it to survive and drive and come out of COVID strong, we need to look at our performance. We yes. need to look at it and understand the numbers. And not be ashamed to put up our hand and say, hey, it's okay, I don't understand that. At some point in time in our business life, we all start at the same point with no understanding of finance. Same as a computer. Yes. You know, we were chatting yes. about computer systems earlier. Same sort of principle. So, Dennis, if we were sitting here today and you were wanting to uh, reflect back and maybe, you know, had a couple of those younger franchisees coming through uh, or licensees coming through in the world, what sort of finance advice would you give them if they said to you, Dennis, what do you think I should learn about the finance side? What, what sort of things oh, certainly, would you... Certainly to, to take on and do some sort of course on finance understanding the business acumen, as I mentioned before there, but to take that step, go and learn those courses at, at uh, night school or online courses, wherever it might be, but to get a good understanding of that. I don't think it takes that long to do at all. And it's, it's not as though you're trying to get to a level that you can rival an accountant. It, it's not about that. Mm. It's, a, it's about the basic understandings of the money coming in and what it costs you to, to generate that sort of income coming in. And hopefully then there's a, there's a margin in there for you to take the rewards afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A couple of th and something that we didn't do at the beginning, but we do now, and in hindsight I would have done this earlier on, was with every one of our salons, including our Tony Guy Australia, there's three planners that we put together. One is a marketing plan, one is a business plan, the finance with that, and one is an education plan. And all those three planners come together to ultimately give you the reward or profit that you want. So I'll start the conversations with our owners about profit. How much profit do you think you'd like to make next year? So it's planned for next year. Mm -hmm. If we don't plan for it, you're probably not going to get it. And if you do, it's by default. So let's plan for that. What sort of profit would you like? And they'll, they'll, they'll come back with some funny numbers. Some will say uh, half a million dollars profit. Mm -hmm. We know it's a joke and it's not going to happen out of one of the salons that we have at the sizes that we have. So they come up with a, uh, a number, $100,000 profit. Okay. And then we work backwards from there. 
But the profit is the focus part for us to start with. It's the rewards. It's why you invested in the thing in the first place. Mm. And it wasn't just to have a good time mm-hmm. and have a charity to do people's hair. Yep. It was make an investment and get a good return on that. Mm. And I believe a lot of people get into business without really under really fully understanding what that that means. It's an investment. You could put your money into shares, you could put it into the bank, you could put it into property. Or you put it into yourself. And as hairdressers, we put it into ourselves. Mm. We tend to borrow the money from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mum and dad, they put the the finances up. And before you know it, we're into a business Mm. without having the business acumen. Yep, that's it. And then then it makes it just harder to get maybe the rewards or the profit that you want Mm. out of that business. It's, It's probably the thing we see most frequently, and that is that people go into opening a salon for passionate reasons, meaning they love doing hair. And or they want to step out and have something that's their business rather than somebody else's. And that entrepreneurial spirit, I think, needs to be encouraged in our industry. However, the thing that I find the saddest is when people realize that either they bought themselves a job and they're drawing their $50,000 a year painfully while others are earning more. Secondly, is they pay others more than they pay themselves. And these are real self-esteem issues that I personally believe affect our creativity in the industry we live in. See, for me, to be really creative in hairdressing, you need to have free mind. What I mean by free mind, not stressed. So if you're constantly working with a client and your brain is thinking about the bank account and all of these other pressures, you're not really going to be at your top of game and freely think about creative solutions for this particular client. Correct. That's right. We are hairdressers. We weren't business people. We got involved in hairdressing because we didn't want to do business stuff. That's it. And now we end up having to do business stuff because we own a business. Mm. So I suggest to our our owners, our partners in the businesses, mm. that to overcome that on a daily basis, come into work early. So we get into work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Let's say the first client comes in at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You've got two hours there to deal with the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Your stock takes, opening your mail, mm-hmm. uh, reading it or responding to emails, mm-hmm. doing the, the the businessy things, let's say, and then by the time the client comes in, that's your now mind is, is fresh and ready because you've dealt with a lot of those that's things. It. That's it. But if you come in at quarter to ten and you just get yourself ready for the client, mm-hmm. knowing that there's all this other business stuff there that you've got to deal with, then you end up having a stressful day. So we create the stress ourselves. That's it. And when you create the stress, you create a major distraction and you're not really where you need to be. My philosophy is very simple. When you're with a client, be with the client. The client, yes. When you're sitting in front of your computer doing your work and doing your business, be there. And when you're at home with your family, more importantly, be there. Don't be working. Yeah. And this is a, a really interesting point you raised earlier about how you start the conversation with profit. We do a very simple philosophy about re-engineering or reverse engineering the business. So if someone wants to earn $100,000 profit, we just run some very simple equations and we can tell you how much their turnover needs to be. To generate that. To generate that income comfortably. And then we can analyze very simply where they are today and where they need to be. And then the difference in there is two things, marketing and education. Correct. Do we need to do more with the clients we have? Or do we need to have more clients? Hmm. I personally find it's a combination of both, generally. That's um, right. That's right. Everything we do, the only ways to grow business, there's four, four ways to grow business. One is to have more clients. Yep. Two is to have more visits from those clients. Mm-hmm. Three is to extract more money from them, so you mm-hmm. ha- have a higher average bill. And the fourth is to reduce costs. That's there is it. no other way. 
Yep. That's it. And that's the tried, tested, proven formula of many, many highly successful salons and business owners. And what we need to do is we need to acknowledge that there is a path of least resistance and there's a pathway of most resistance. The pathway of least resistance is to learn the system and learn how to work with it. That's right. The pathway of most resistance is to avoid it, ignore it, or not choose to go down that pathway. Yes, because that's that's easier. I always say to people, you've got a choice in life. Take the choice that gives you the most pain because you're going to learn more from it. You take the easy choice, you'll be the same as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Something else I noticed as well along the way, we have different bookkeepers or accountants that look after the Mm. salons. Mm. Some of our salon owners will take the ultimate advice and direction of their business from the accountant or the bookkeeper. And I strongly advise against that. Because these people, as good as they are in their subject, they do not know hairdressing and how to deal with people as we do. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something that Tony always said to me, never let your accountant run your business. Mm. Because we're in a people business. Now, we know people. Yes. The people that look after the finances for us deal with everything historically. That's it. It's the end result of the efforts of marketing and, and customer service. Yep. It's mm. the end result of all of that. Mm. So they're just giving his historical data. Yep. They tell us what we did last month. That's it. Or last how much year. Profit, or we did or we didn't have or last year, yes. But into the future, they can only estimate that. Mm. And if we are looking for an amount of money, a certain amount of money for profit, we have to work backwards to the staff in the salon today, how many there are, how much service turnover you want them to do, how much treatments you want them to do, how much retail you want them to do. And those three numbers combined times the 10 staff Mm -hmm. hopefully should equate to, in a year's time, you have your $100,000 profit. Now, it's understanding that more. Now, now I get a a good grasp on that. Mm. At the very beginning, I didn't. Mm. I didn't understand that so much. My focus was uh, people, Mm. clients, and looking after them. That's it. That's it, and 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 trends and fashion and hair. I mean, that, that that's was right. When I first met you, I mean, that was they were the they were really great days. And what's interesting is a lot less stressful back then too. It's, it certainly seemed to be. Yeah, it did, didn't it? It's really, or maybe that's we were just partying too much. I can't remember which. <laughs> but uh, um, just in coming towards the end of our chat here, but you know, I'd love to maybe share with the owners. You, Tony and Guy itself has been through quite a bit of change coming out of COVID, and maybe just a couple of short pieces about some of the changes yeah, look that at, you've look brought into the business. It has. Uh, can I say out of, out of uh, COVID, in Australia here we've done extremely well, the whole country has. We decided to voluntarily stand down uh, March last year, mm-hmm. our whole group uh, in the UK and here in Australia, and we closed up voluntarily for six weeks. We believe that was the right thing to do and to really help that whole process of uh, not spreading the COVID. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a year later on with that, our salons are trading extremely well. Our bank accounts are looking very, very, very healthy at the moment there. And businesses return to, to normal, if you mm. like. Through that whole time, the, our salons had a, a very good support network because we're a group of, of salons, a, gr- a group of people. Yep. In Australia, we've got 170 staff. Uh, worldwide, about 6,500 staff. And that network came together. It really brought Zoom mm. and connecting through video. Yep into play far quicker than we ever thought we were going to do. Mm. And that played a big part. So even though there's a lot of stress and anxiety from our staff and owners, and still is a little bit there now, there was that support network because of the brand of Tony and Guy that they could connect with like-minded people that were going through exactly the same stuff and created lots of platforms 
to talk about that. Mm. And hence now coming out of the COVID cycle, mm. let's say, uh, a lot of our focus for education is about well-being. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just feeling better about yourself mm. and looking for those signs where people may be struggling internally and don't really, you don't see it on the surface and helping them out more with their own personal well-being. I think the awareness that has come as part of COVID about that to look beyond what you see and, and start to think about some of the staff we work with has been a really hidden benefit of coming out of this process. The other thing I see is I appreciate I move across quite a few different industries and businesses. I do quite a bit of work in beauty and aesthetics. And one of the common things I'm seeing coming out of COVID is medium to upmarket businesses are doing really, really well. And they are the ones who are now the leading light in all of the different industries I work with. In other words, the ones that are uh, 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 will position themselves more as a, like Tony and Guy does, more as an upmarket business. Yes. You know, people yep. are now aware of what they want as far as care and service and looking after themselves. And it's not just about price. Yep. I mean, those days I think I've really. I won't say have gone, but they're definitely less emphasised than what they used to be. That's for right. Example. That's right. Yeah. yeah, Dennis. One of the things that we love to do as part of this podcast series is is obviously help people think about the business side and help them think about the financial side in particular, which is where I'm working on this journey at the moment. A part of the thing we do here in this podcast series is offer people the opportunity to take a first step. And the first step is actually to go, what do I need to know so that I can get better in this world? And all they need to do is just email me and just put the word profit in an email. And we send them a free instant profit assessment. It's a very simple little grid that you can fill out with your own numbers. And it just tells you whether you're on track or whether you could be more profitable or if you're overspending in certain areas. And it can be simply the beginning of the journey. So I encourage anyone who's listening who has found some of the things that Dennis has shared with us to be thought-provoking and also have part of the mission like many others, and that is to be more profitable, to maybe just reach out and uh, love to actually help anyone in the industry who wants to simply either scale their business or get out of having a job and get into having a business. can be fun, can't it, Dennis? It certainly can. It's, it's the most rewarding thing. Look, it's the only thing I've ever done. Mm. From 17, I've been hairdressing right the way through and uh, wouldn't change it for anything. Absolutely. And you've had some incredible highs along the way, let alone all the accolades and the awards as well. So That's right. Congratulations. And it's been an absolute delight to uh, know you all these years and call you a friend. So thank you. And, and really thank you very, very much for being a part of our podcast today and sharing so freely uh, what you've done. So thanks again. A pleasure, Love to have you on board. A pleasure. Good on you, Dennis. Thanks again. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share it with others who also want a more profitable business. Until our next episode, you can visit Neil at thesalescatalyst.com.au.